Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name's Trevor Strunk and uh, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I'm very happy to have with us uh, the talented and interesting R.S. Benedict, R.S. underscore Benedict on Twitter, uh, and she's here with us today to talk about, uh, wh- why don't you say, I-, I would say pacifistic gaming, but perhaps you have like a, 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 f- a more thorough ca- uh, characterization. Well, that's about it. Uh, I was here to talk about uh, pacifism in gaming, how games can sometimes avoid the use of combat as a mechanic. Um, in gaming, at most games, I think combat is sort of the central mechanic. It's how you solve all of your problems. And um, I think it's. I'm always a little bit excited to see games that defy that trend. Yeah, um, definitely. I think there's... No, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think like the idea <laughs> of... Um, imagining violence as a sort of mechanical choice in games is a smart one because of course like the the issue with gaming um, most times is that it boils down to mechanics and I think one of the reasons that violence is so uh, widespread in gaming is that it's hard to even imagine what a game could be like without um, that kind of combat mechanic right like from the very start there's a there's a combat mechanic implied in games right. like you know even very early games like pac-man or donkey kong or or the original mario brothers uh where even if it's cartoonish it's it's combat right. so how do you see um well, let's get started by asking like so what are your what are some of the examples of games that you feel best break the mold or best sort of challenge this um uh, I don't, not to sound too dramatic, but regime of, uh, of representation best. <laughs> well, um, I think the a really great recent example is one that's probably okay, on everyone's great. mind right now is Undertale. It does a fantastic job of really um, subverting this this idea that of violence as the only way to to solve problems in a video game and as violence is the only way to grow strong. It's it's pretty interesting. It kind of makes you look at RPGs very differently. Um, in, in RPG, the standard thing is to beat up enemies and kill them to grow stronger and Undertale kind of looks at it and says, <laughs> you know, that's really creepy, right? You know, like murdering people to gain their strength. That's, that's kind of horrible. That's kind of <laughs> like, that's a serial killer mentality. And I think Undertale is an amazing, wonderful example of it. And it gives you a, a real sense of choice. You, if you play the way you would play during a normal RPG, you become kind of a monster. Um, but if you play in a more pacifistic way, things are more difficult, but it's really satisfying. I, it's one of those games where I think one of the, the risks about taking a pacifistic approach to gaming is that one, you can become kind of heavy-handed. Uh, so one of the games that I always think about in oh, terms yeah. of like complicating violence is uh, Spec Ops The Line. And of course, it's a deeply violent game, uh, but it makes you feel bad about your violence. And I've brought this up before on the podcast, but it's a game that makes you feel bad about your violence, but it's also like a bit heavy-handed. I I would think that if I had a a central critique of Spec Ops The Line, it's that it's kind of heavy-handed. However, in Undertale, it starts off that way, right? Where Where they're explaining like what these things are. And I think like HP isn't hit points, but like hatred points or something like that like right. they they flip every i can't quite remember but they flip yes. everything around from like experience points uh yeah it's like extermination points or something right like exactly that. so like it's not about getting experience or health or you know gold uh g uh, gold gp is something i can't remember what that is too but you get more uh, gold or whatever items same thing you would get in other rpgs except in the first battle in the game it's flipped um and it's like the only you know 
well, we can talk about what the battles entail for those of you who haven't played Undertale. But in the first battle of the game, those things are flipped, right? And initially, when I was looking at that, I was thinking, man, this is going to be really, really heavy-handed. Uh, this is like, you know, okay, yeah, the, everything you've done is is bad, and, and everything you're doing here is going to flip the script on it. Uh, but they do such a wonderful job of actually making that, like, I don't know, have have legs and have stakes outside of the game's message. Right. And and they do things in a way that makes these battles, even though it's a pacifistic playing style, every battle's really unique. Like, boss fights, especially every boss fight is totally unique, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Yeah, no, and, it, and it, it's... Oh, go ahead. It shows... It, I think it does... I think the reason that uh, developers rely on violence so much is that it's easy. Like, okay, just blow up some dudes, okay. <laughs> but, like, actually using something else requires a hell of a lot of imagination, and that's a lot more difficult. Yeah, that's a smart point. I, you know, this is this reminds me of a uh, of a critique. I haven't played it yet, and and I I have it, and I'm meaning to play it, uh, but which I'm sure is like a popular kind of uh, lament these days. Right. Uh, but uh, in Mafia Three, one of the major critiques, and I was always interested in Mafia Three because it took a um, a somewhat like unpopular standpoint of like being not unpopular but un. Um, unique, let's say, standpoint of being a, a black man coming back from the army in the 60s uh, and 70s, having Ooh. to go against the Klan in New Orleans. It was very interesting, right? Um, right? And then people said, yeah, the first few missions were really interesting, and then it became like, just kind of boring samey stuff. Um, yeah. And the boring samey stuff makes sense because it's like, oh yeah, go out and you know blow up this place or kill these guys or whatever. And that is, as you say, super easy. Actually coming up with like innovative level design or solutions or mechanics is very hard. Um, So let's talk about some other games that there are a lot of games that aren't totally pacifistic, but uh, give you some options. Great. Um, Well, there's this indie game, I think from 2005, EG. It's like a Metroidvania style game. Um, The first time I played it, I played it through like a typical EG. I don't know that one. It's surprisingly good. It's this little indie thing. I think it's available for download for free. Um, really, really good soundtrack considering it's this like little game. Um, I played it through like an, I would normally play Metroid or something the first time, and by the end of it, um, there's a warning that if you kill over a certain number of people, the entire planet with you on it will be nuked because you're just too horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Like there's a sense that your violence has consequences. Um, you're so is it fighting enemy soldiers, but but they're still people, kind hmm. of. That's really interesting. Does it? Yeah. Is it possible to play the game completely pacifistically? Like this, that reminds me in I, some ways of uh, of uh, Dishonored in that way. I'm not sure. I there's I don't I think some of the boss fight most of the boss fights I think are are obligatory but you can get through it mostly by avoiding characters and if you do that you can actually by avoiding uh fights and if you do that you can actually form an alliance with one of the races (gasps) interesting in there and they'll stop attacking you um and it's kind of neat in the very final the very final um battle you kind of play it defensively like you can't you can try to attack the guy but it doesn't work instead you just kind of bounce his attacks off of yourself and that's really the only way to win that's really interesting. It reminds me a little bit of Undertale too, where the yeah. you know the the battle mechanic, and this is something that you made me think of when you were talking about it. The battle mechanic in Undertale is essentially a bullet hell, um, right. in like a small form. Um, but 
it's a bullet hell where you don't really fire back if you're on the defensive. Like if you never right. attack the enemies, there are basically you know attacks they'll put on you, and over time they'll stop. You know you'll work through a storyline or something. Basically, it depends on who you're fighting. Right. It's a weird game, and but very very smart and very good. Everyone should just go play it. Absolutely. Um, but the idea, most basically distilled, is that you're doing defensive uh, work. You're kind of avoiding attacks as opposed to or reflecting them back as opposed to initiating them yourself. Um, which is a tricky right. but interesting ethical problem. Yeah. And it and it does go over the fact that it's not easy to play that way. Like, you don't get stronger. You don't get more hit mm-hmm. points if you play that way. And that's kind of scary as, yeah. as a player. Well, especially once you get to the end. I mean, like, there are really strong enemies. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I'm really fascinated by EG. That sounds that sounds great. It reminds me in some ways of uh, it reminds me of games that make you force you to make a choice, right? Which is so popular these Absolutely. days. Absolutely. Um, and it's a AAA, choice you don't like, realize you're making. It feels like a very organic choice too. It's a choice you don't realize you're making until you've made it. Interesting. A lot of the time. Like it's so, not like the super obvious do A or do B, <laughs> right? You know, how do you so how you can just you, sort of can you play. quantify that a little bit? That's really fascinating. Well, I mean, it's just based on your entire playing style and how how much you engage with enemies. Who do you kill okay. them? Do you run away? Do you find secret places? It's not like well, Resident Evil Seven, where your big choice is give the vaccine to your wife or to this other girl, you know, press A to do this, <laughs> press B to do that, where it's mm-hmm. super obvious and there's a sense of, well, you're supposed to give these people a choice. There you, there you go. There's your choice. <laughs> it, it just feels more organic in that the way you play kind of determines your outcome and determines how other people respond to you. It's a little bit more subtle. And I, and I love that. And it startled me because when I'd played this like t- first 10 years ago, I hadn't really encountered that much in a game. You know, you're mm-hmm. used to playing like a Metroidvania type game where you kill everything. That's what you do. That's the smart thing to do. So it kind of blew my little mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of uh, other more mainstream games that actually give you a little bit more more choice. Um, Deus Ex from back in the day, the classic yeah. game, does allow you to play with a more stealth-based approach, and you can use the, that cattle prod and and um, non-lethal weapons a whole lot in that game, and it works. You have that option. Um, Planescape Torment, which you talked about, a whole lot of battles can be just completely avoided. You can talk your way out of things and still get experience points for it, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, and often um, and more experience a, points for being pacifistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... Um, Frictional games, they made Amnesia, The Dark Descent, you know, that game that, like, every YouTube Let's Player was screaming at, like, a couple of years ago. Um, their whole their whole thing is these survival horror games where, in almost all of them, you can't fight back. I think in one of their mm. earlier games, Penumbra Overture, you get, like, a, a pickaxe that you can swing. But that's about it, and it's really awkward. And since then, their more recent games, um, Soma was their most recent one, and it's amazing and totally underrated. They're, you're just totally helpless. You have to run, you have to hide, and that's about it. And at least from a, from a horror standpoint, to me, that makes the game so much more frightening because you're so vulnerable, you can't fight back. Like It's genuinely a really scary experience because you know that if the monster catches you, you're, you're just doomed. There's nothing you can mm-hmm. do. 
Yeah, it, it reminds me in some ways of um, when I was talking to uh, Erica, I think that was for quite a few episodes back at this point, but that was uh, Lavos uh, XII on Twitter. Um, she mentioned a game called uh, Ao Oni, which um, I had never heard of, but is this RPG Maker game that uh, it looks like an RPG Maker game. It's basically, I think she described it as like a, um, like a, oh, I forget the term, but it's basically like a hiding game or like a, a runaway game. Okay. Um, huh. Effectively, you're being sort of chased by this monster, um, and you have to avoid it and hide from it. Uh, it kind of like, a, I guess, like nice. a clock towery sort of way. Um, right. But what was so interesting about it to me and why I bring it up is because it became this enormous hit and like now there are a ton of AO only likes and it got a movie made out of it and it's just this free RPG maker game. Um, Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a U.S. phenomenon. So it was never kind of like it, it, in my periphery, it's a, it's a Korean phenomenon. I'd never heard of the game, but it's really fascinating because it kind of ties into what you're saying, which is that there's this core mechanic where when you are not given a particular kind of expected agency in a game, it becomes much more interesting. No matter what the graphics or sort of interface is. Absolutely. Yeah, being powerless is actually like kind of an enjoyable or um, engaging, let's say, uh, 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 approach to video games. Totally. Can I ask, so do you find, um, and and there are are others, we'll we'll talk about sort of like games that could be better without violence. You brought that up uh, when we were talking about this, and I think that's, you know, very smart. Uh, but I have a question that's coming up from this. Do you ever feel at this point now that you've sort of been given, and I think this is a more recent thing in some ways, games that not only give you the option, as in Deus Ex, of pursuing a non-lethal path, but in fact have consequences, um, whether or not those are superficial or otherwise, to pursuing a non-violent path um, or a violent path, as the case may be. Do you ever like? Do you ever play video games with, that are violent and sort of find it lacking in choice as as a result? Um, I I have, but I can't really. I'm trying to think of a an example more recently, and it's not coming up, unfortunately. Oh, um, games that would be better without violence. Games where you lack choice. Oh gosh, I'm sure that like after this is over, <laughs> I'll think of, think of like a billion examples yeah. and smack myself in the forehead. <laughs> I always I always end up putting people on the spot and like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't night every single time I feel bad. Um, whenever I teach class, I never do the cold call thing, but in a podcast it sort of ends up being a necessity. Um, but no, it's just it literally the the, the reason I ask I, I planned on asking, but it's it strikes me hearing you talk that there's this sense in which um, pacifism is something that had to be introduced into video games as a secondary option. Um, but once it's introduced as an idea, it's very hard to, it's very hard to kick it, right? Like it's, it's tough to sort of imagine, um, say call of duty the same way. If you understand that certain games give you the option of not killing everyone on the screen. Right. I wonder, I wonder if, I guess the, the last thing I'd say about it is I wonder if that's going to be something that keeps occurring as in the same way that choice became so popular as you point out with resident evil seven every game feels obligated to give you a choice now um even when it's a bullshit nonsense choice that has no real consequence like in resident evil (laughs) seven right or a choice that's like yeah look like um you can make the choice that obviously makes you a good person or you can make the choice that makes you obviously a bad person um or the the worst one that i feel is in some ways just like um uh i don't know it's i don't know how i'd explain it uh it's 
not adding anything to, to it. It's just, um, it's all ephemeral or, or um, oh, I lost the word. It's not helpful, let's say. The choice where right. both choices make you feel bad. Um, like, well, mm. you could kill 30 people or kill these five people. And it's like, oh, man. Like, you know, I was, I was by the time this comes out, I'll put out the podcast with, uh, I talked to John Bernhardt about Prey. Um, and that is like a, a game that sort of does that very well. But I feel, hmm. but I find most games when they give you two bad options, it's just a way of the game kind of winking at you and saying like, isn't the world unfair? Right. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where if it's done well, it's amazing, but done bluntly, it's just this, look how edgy everything is. Right. You got to kill some orphans. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, 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 it strikes me that it's such a, it's such a blunt object of like you know, cynicism or whatever, like Joker style, like, you know, what do you do, Batman? I'm giving you a tough choice as opposed to what ends up being a, a far uh, more difficult moral choice in terms of pacifism because it makes the game so much harder. Oh gosh. I'm thinking there's one example I can think of a game you asked a little while mm -hmm. ago where just the amount of violence or the amount of combat gets really frustrating. Um, I would say any Final Fantasy games, random encounters on the <laughs> overworld map. I find it incredibly frustrating, actually. Sure. For me, it's like, I'm just I'm just trying to get to the next town. I don't I don't want to deal with this shit. Just let me walk to the next town. I just, oh, god damn it. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I actually that. don't like those at all. Outside of like a outside of like an adventure zone or whatever you want to call it. Um, I actually really hate the overworld map random encounters it feels like they put them in just because they have to and to me it just feels like this is an unwanted inconvenience on the way to get somewhere it's like hitting a traffic jam <laughs> yeah it's, it's not fun it, it feels it feels um it feels just obligatory like they just put it in because that's yes. how rpgs work um absolutely yeah it I, i'm glad that there was like there seemed to be a push i'm not really sure when it happened but there seemed to be a push i guess when i was probably still in high school, maybe in college, where all of a sudden RPGs were like, yeah, look, like we're going to go more towards, we might not, we might still be turn-paced, we might still do like, you know, we won't, we won't be an action RPG, it's not all going to be Legend of Zelda, but like some JRPGs were like, yeah, look, like you'll see the enemies before you fight them. Um, but I don't know, I guess like that kind of random enemy encounter as like a, a criterion of the RPG genre it still exists and i think it speaks to that that problem of like well if i make this game non-violent uh it's not going to fulfill all the conventions i need it to so speaking of conventions um i think you know there are certain games out there that speak to a level of non-violence something like uh the games that always came up to me uh, prior to sort of the new um uh, if you want to call it like a renaissance of this of this style of game, I think, as you rightfully point out, um, spurned on by Undertale in some ways. Um, but I always thought of Icho and Shadow of the Colossus, which there's violence oh. in that, but it's all sort of like, I don't know how, how Brothers is the same way. Like, there is violence in those games, but it's, it's generally like a mechanic among many, I would say. Um, I don't know if that's that's elucidating or not. Um, but they always felt different to me in some way or another. Uh, but those games, those games, I think balance it quite well. Uh, you brought up this idea of games that would be better without violence. And, and I'm really interested to Absolutely. hear your thoughts on that. 
Well, I, I do think um, that there are some games that where the inclusion of violence in it as a mechanic actually kind of brings it down. Uh, one example, I think, would be De- Deadly Premonition, mm-hmm. that wonderful investigative game based on, um, well, very, very clearly based on Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, openly. Uh, yeah, based on Twin Peaks. Of, super be- based on Twin Peaks. And most of the game, you're sort of investigating a crime, meeting these weird, creepy, these weird quirky townspeople going fishing doing all this weird stuff and then there are these bits where you're just sort of jammed into sort of a dark world and you gotta shoot people who look like juggalos for some reason and it's just really arbitrary it doesn't fit with the rest of the game at all it feels totally shoehorned in and i and i believe that is how it ended up in there the executive said no you gotta have combat yeah, no, it's it's true, and I, I I really like your description of the enemies looking like weird juggalos. They look like juggalos. They just look like juggalos. You just go, you're in the middle of this cool Twin Peaks investigation, and then suddenly you got to shoot some juggalos, and I don't know why. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. It feels so arbitrary, and I'm pretty sure it was forced upon them by the executives. Like you got to have combat because it's a video game. You got to have con- combat. You got to shoot somebody with a gun, and I think the game would be better without it. It's true, and actually, uh, it, I, I, if I have the the sort of history of the game right, it was in fact forced on them. So, uh, yeah. Sweary, the um, the the sort of like I don't know Kojima figure of that game, um, right didn't want violence in the game at all wanted it to be a totally sort of like just totally investigative game which i think in some ways speaks to the um something like the visual novel uh genre absolutely um that just never really has had purchase in in america um i don't know i imagine for a lot of reasons uh but one chief among them is because it feels like you don't have the agency to you know pick up a gun and solve things your own way which is Right. What we're what we're conditioned to expect from video games in many ways. Yeah, the only kind of agency is to shoot things. It's a very reductive kind of thing. And in some ways, like if you're kind of forced to have combat, I think that's actually taking away your agency. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to kill this thing to to progress and to be like that is taking away agency. Like I'm not against the idea of of violence in games. I'm not like J- Jack Thompson or anything here, <laughs> but like. It does. It, it it's fake agency. It's it's a feeling of power, but really you're just kind of doing what the developers tell you, and all the developers are letting you do is to kill, and that's it. Yeah, I would agree. I think the I think the issue with violence in video games is when it's used as a uh, just as a catch-all, as something that needs to be there, as yeah. something that you know ticks off a box. Yeah. Um. There. I mean, there are there are extremely like potent um, uses of violence in video games that like. Uh, shock you or or oh, yeah. do something important or whatever. But yeah, Deadly Premonition is a really good example of like a moment where clearly the developer was set, uh, was told like, yeah, look, you need some time where your guy shoots a gun. He's an FBI agent. He has to shoot a gun. Yep. <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess I'll introduce these sort of like mm-hmm. grudge style ghosts that have clown faces. Um, right. <laughs> And say the same three phrases over and over again. <laughs> right. like, okay, yeah, I'll great. just get through this part, get back to the investigation. Right. Like the fact that it doesn't even take place in the real world so suggests like, I don't even know how to work this in. Fuck yeah, it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Dark world. There it is. Yeah, the, the red um, vines show up and it's like, well, now you have to do this again. Just get through it. Just don't worry about it. Um, yeah, and Swery actually, uh, he's back in gaming now, I think. But for quite a while, he be- nice. he was a he was a monk. He was a... 
He like left what? left gaming to become a monk. Yeah. What? That's so, crazy. Spe- That's amazing. Yeah, he's he's a really interesting dude. He he's done a lot of really interesting games. Uh, he's fascinating. Yeah. Right, and and it, what is it? D five is that? Uh, yeah, D four. Came out D- with Dark D4, Dreams Don't very Die. Very little. Right, and there's very. Uh, more Twin Peaks influence there with this mysterious owl, but I, I remember I remember seeing it play. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of combat either. You spend all, one major mechanic is like making clam chowder and eating lunch and things like that, and it's done in a way that's really fun and quirky and enjoyable. Yeah, he's sort of from the he's a bit from that Chakotin style of uh, of game development where it's like the incidental parts of our lives could be interesting too, or like the things that you know the imagination of a simulation is not just these exciting moments in the middle of a, like a terrorist raid, but also, you know, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? What do you do like around town? Um, yeah, I think that's so interesting. And I'm, I, I'm very happy Swery is back in, although, you know, I hope, I hope he didn't just come back cause he felt an obligation. I hope he was, you know, got what he needed to out of being a monk and then came back to, to gaming. But I'm personally selfishly glad he's back. Oh, absolutely. Um, you also mentioned Mirror's Edge, and I think that's a really, really interesting one. Because um, I never thought about Mirror's Edge without combat. Uh, but there's a way in which like a lot of the complaints people had about that first-person uh, action game format really kind of were wrapped up in the fact that it just, like, while the parkour elements were really neat, the combat elements were a little clunky. Right. Yeah, it almost felt like it an obligatory thing too like you're running around you're doing all this parkour and someone i think must have said like you can't just do a running jumping game there's gotta be combat you gotta put some guns in come on no you don't the parkour the parkour was enough it was really cool yeah no i agree and it's it seems like more and more i don't know it seems like more and more as games are kind of just engaging with the world around them and i guess you can sort of thank things like walking simulators in general for this kind of uh, advent there's a way in which like that concept of like yeah look you can just do a game you can just have a game sort of exist on its own terms that's kind of coming back around and becoming like i don't know i'm thinking of games like um uh i can't remember what it's called but there's that that skiing game um peak i think where it's literally it's just like sort of skiing in really really nice graphics on a mountain um, games like, uh, I don't know, even like Dear Esther or whatever, where half the game is just exploring like an interesting place. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's pushback to it, but it seems like something <clears throat> that's suddenly more acceptable. Yeah. I, I hope so. Uh, I do think the rise of a lot of indie game developers is, is pretty good for that. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot, lot less to... I mean, this is actually something that's come up in a lot of the podcasts, and I don't know... I feel like it's going to be one of those things that I'm never quite sure how to balance. Uh, but there feels like for AAA titles, and you always want to see AAA titles do something new. The game that comes up time and time again uh, as I talk to people is uh, Near Automata, um, which took chances and ended up being a very successful game. Um, but it's not in studios interest to actually take a ton of chances with these AAA games because the investment cost is yeah, so understandably. high. Yeah, right. Of course. Um absolutely. Yeah. But with these indie games, like if it's, you know, if I pick up the technology to make a game or someone with, you know, more uh, technical savvy picks up a, a a game like that, yeah, I mean, you can take chances. Totally. Yeah. 
So speaking of democratizing art, uh, you told me you're working on a, a, a serial novel of sorts. Um, right. Can Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm really I'm really fascinated because, of course, like the 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 idea of transitioning into, from gaming into a novel is um, even in discussion. I'm not suggesting an arc for you, but uh, in terms of our discussion, <laughs> is like a um, an immediately tempting thing for me as uh, you know literary critic cum uh, video game critic. Okay. Um, well, it, it's this. It's a serialized online novel. So far, I'm just a few chapters in, and I'm trying to update it every week. Um, it's called Hive. It it kind of concerns the that whole weird subculture of like let's players and and um, competitive gaming and things like that. But it's basically about a group of people who are chosen to LP the latest edition of uh, an ongoing first-person shooters series called Hive. Okay. And the main character in this is a character who plays a little bit more pacifistically. She's kind of known for her LPs that are pacifist runs where she uses a lot more stealth. Um, but the new game is... They're asking uh, for... for reasons that I don't want to give too much away um, <laughs> but the company wants people to play a little bit more aggressively hmm. and she's sort of trying to resist that um, they're they're trying to see if she will play a little bit more aggressively than previously um, and I'm not sure how much I want to give away um, but a lot of it uh, a lot of this was kind of inspired by the fact that um, with series like Call of Duty, there's sort of a propaganda aspect to it. A lot of games have kind of this uh, propagandist side to them where they're sort of encouraging a kind of warfare. They're, they're encouraging a kind of um, mentality. And like I said, I'm not a Jack Thompson. I'm not going to blame like school shooting on, on Doom or anything like that. I'm not going to say playing a violent video game makes you a murderer or anything. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but the idea that the this media that we immerse ourselves in for hours and hours every day doesn't affect us, like, that's nuts. Right. Of course it's going to affect you. It's going to affect the way you see the world. And I've and maybe a lot of people might not like to hear this, but I do think that if you spend so much time in media where the only mechanic, the only way to solve a problem is violence, I don't think that's great. Mm. I do think <laughs> that that can affect your worldview a little bit. No, it won't make you I mean, a serial killer, but I yeah. do think it can affect you. Yeah, I mean, naturally. And and I think, you know, that, that brings up the sort of fraught point that if in fact games are including violence as just something that is a matter of course or something that as i've kind of said a number of times like ticks off a box like says like okay this game is marketable now because i included a gun battle in it um right i mean there's something you know obviously the the things we consume in life influence us and to imagine that, like, yeah. market decisions or, um, you know, things people choose to include in games based solely on how many units they'll move might impact the players themselves is, like, this really, I don't know, it's this difficult knot, right? Well, that and it's more than just uh, selling units. There are certain games, like the Call of Duty series, where there is some genuine, I believe it's the Call of Duty series, where there is some genuine, like, military encouragement. Mm -hmm. um, there 
the games do have kind can have kind of a political agenda and uh there are a lot of games that include guns with the blessing of like the uh with the weapons manufacturing industry that kind of sell them. Yeah. You'll notice a lot of games that include guns have like real gun models and all these specifications and well, it makes it sound pretty cool and <laughs> you kind of want one because like, what do you do? You want to buy merchandise for your favorite game and now a Glock right. is another type of merchandise. And again, there, I'm not against owning guns. If you want to own a gun, okay, that's all right. But like, there's something kind of weird to me about turning it into like a treating it the way you might treat like an action figure because mm-hmm. like regardless of what you think of the second amendment these aren't toys these aren't merchandise like this is something that you do need to take a little bit more seriously and treat with a little bit more respect than we it's a toy <laughs> like no this isn't a toy guys um and yeah and it's okay. there is this um, and, and, and in a lot of pop culture and a lot of geek media, there actually is some military uh, involvement. If you put like a pro-U.S. military agenda in there, you get the blessing and you get the cooperation of uh, the U.S. government. And I know I sound like a paranoid lefty here, but that that genuinely does happen. A lot of action movies are made with the cooperation of the U.S. government if you put in like a pro-military message in there um and it, that that goes for gaming too. yeah i mean america's army is the is the sort of prototypical example where in fact not just not just the cooperation but in fact the sponsorship of the army right like this sort of right. like this idea of like you know playing out the the sort of fantasy of trading simulators in video games um yeah i mean that was like that was a that was a big a big thing then and it didn't just vanish it was highly successful i can't, maybe it's a little more behind the scenes now but i can't imagine it went away Absolutely. Hmm. I like I like this as sort of like this might be my final thought on it, and then I'll give you a chance to spin out whatever you'd like to. But the you know I like the idea of pacifism existing because I think there's a risk in in talking about pacifism in video games. We've we've run across it right. a lot where you know we've both sort of said it, and and you've said it more eloquently. Like yeah, we're not we're not trying to say don't. Yeah. You know, I'm not like video banned games. violence in video games. Right. Yeah, no, I, that's fine. I, you know, one of my fa- that's ridiculous. Yeah, one of my favorite games in, in 2016 was uh, was the new Doom, which is like as oh yeah, you know, violent as a, a game you could <laughs> possibly imagine. Oh yeah, and it can be totally fun. Yeah. I, like I love some violent video games. Yeah. Some of them are incredibly fun. Yeah, um, and just ridiculous and over the top. It can be great, but. I think over-reliance of on-combat as a mechanic is kind of lazy, and I think, like, too much of anything, you know, is not not great for you. This is where I sound like a nagging parent or whatever. No, it's true, though. Yeah, it's bad for you, but, but like, it legitimately... We all want to think that we're too cool to be influenced by culture. Like, I'm not dumb enough to fall for ads. I'm not a sheep, but we are all kind of influenced by the media we consume. Yeah. Like... We just are. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, of course we'd have to be. I mean, we're consuming it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's uh, I. So this is like what I like about considering pacifism in this way, and it's something that I hadn't quite done before. Is like it's not about it's not about legislating content. It's about sort of right. asking questions about the ways in which including pacifism can alter um, alter one's view on the world i guess uh, that that might be too expansive right. but like it changes the it changes the landscape of the game in a way that it might be productive both in terms of like good games and the way we think about games in general yeah 
so let me ask you, is there anything you feel like we didn't touch on today that you really want to want to get to? I'll give you give you an opportunity to have last word. Oh, oh gosh. One more. Uh, L.A. Noir would have been so much better without oh, gunfights. Oh, you're right. You're so right. The gunfights were awful the gun in that game. Were garbage. Oh, no. You're so okay. right. Oh, God. The car chases were garbage. They were horrible. Oh, the car chases were, were the worst. the worst part of the game. The best part the, was just the like best part investigating of that. these cool little things. Yeah, and driving. I like in that game, and I said this a million times, and I'll say it again a million times. One of the coolest experiences in that game was driving with traffic legally. Like, feeling like I had to, and then just following the rules and, like, exploring L.A. (laughs) that way. That was so cool. Yeah, driving around in old L.A., that was really fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, once it came to car chases and the gun... Yeah, they were terrible. Uh, It was not fun. It was not fun. Oh, that's a perfect example. That's a game that would have been so much better without violence. It would have been... It was great as it was. I mean, it, it, its whole central mechanic, the, like, reading people's faces was really special, really unique. Mm-hmm. And then it just went to these places, these sections where it's just, here's a generic action sequence. Here's chasing and shooting a guy. And just, uh, yeah, every game does that. That's the, it's not special anymore. You've taken away the thing that makes this game really special. Hmm. It's another good way to put it. Yeah. Thanks. Of course. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This was actually this was fascinating. I uh, I, I didn't yeah. yeah I didn't quite know all the things I thought about pacifism in video games until we talked. This has been very uh, very seminar esque. It's taught taught me a lot <laughs> uh, just by sort of like talking back and forth. We've kind of like uh, done done a, a mutual Socrates here uh, is what <laughs> I'll call it. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, read my novel, please. Please, someone read this thing. Oh my god, no one's reading it. Where, where can people find it? You can find it on my website, which is rs-benedicts.com. It'll be, you'll find it on the front page. Okay, great, rs- Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. rs- uh, rs- I can't talk, rs-benedict.com. Okay, everyone should go. It's also on Wattpad if you want to read something on Wattpad that is not vamp- that is not werewolf porn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like ninety five percent werewolf porn and me. So if you're on Wattpad, check look me up too. Um, if you want something that is not about having sex with a wolf, or like if you just need a break, if you need a break <laughs> from that, you know what I mean. <laughs> if you need a if you need non wolf sex content, um, just hit me up. Yeah, you know, variety is the sweetest spice. At some point, you're not going to want to read about someone having sex with a wolf. You don't want to burn yourself out on that. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to over overdo it. You don't want to binge too much on wolf sex. I guess. Yeah, no, that would be, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for being on. Uh, follow uh, follow RS Benedict um, at RS underscore Benedict at, on Twitter. Uh, great follow, absolutely recommended. And um, yeah, come back anytime. This was, this was a blast. Yeah.